Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, joined as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we are excited to have our colleague Ryan Hart, not on the phone from San Francisco, but here in the flesh, in person, in Cambridge, joining us in the studio. Hi, Ryan. Hello, Sam. Hello, Jennifer. Hello, everyone. And today we've invited Ryan in because we wanted to talk to him about new research that he's published about um, how to innovate your business model to drive a CX advantage. And the, the big question we're going to pose to Ryan is how do you think about innovation as a way to get to where customers are going rather than sort of incrementally chipping away at where they are today. So this is a way to use, I think, your customer obsession, Ryan, to move beyond the current business model, the current experiences. And that's a really interesting, exciting topic. So I guess I'll start you off with this question. Why do you think most companies today have the wrong approach to innovation? Companies for a long time have been investing in innovation to be seen as innovative. And they will have an innovation unit or a lab or an outpost, whatever you call it. And they feel that that equates to meaningful progress in the form of innovation. That confusion leads to, though, is really very little significant outputs or project or product advancements that derive meaningful revenue. There was a recent study that was done by IESE Business School that found that about 70% of companies feel that they're going to continue to invest in innovation outposts, but those same group of people, only 23% actually saw any of those innovation investments delivering significant revenue. And I think significant revenue is really 3% more of whatever the core business revenue is. If you can obtain you know, 3 to 5% of new revenue based on a new model, that would be considered significant. Okay. So they're on this sort of maybe continued path of investing in innovation, even though very few of them see it returning actual revenue in the form of you know a new business model, new products contributing in that meaningful way that revenue measures. So what's broken here? What, what are they getting wrong? One, a lot of large organizations are tripping over their own policies and processes that actually have made them successful today. So they've refined a way of manufacturing and delivering products and services in a way that have made them successful today. But unfortunately, customers' expectations are rising faster than companies can change in response to those. And so by just chipping away and doing investing in incremental innovations to find and fix problems, unfortunately, you're going to be passed by your customers. And it doesn't position you to future-proof the business or position you to where customers are going. Yeah, you have a nice way of putting this in in one of the headings in your report, which is today's business models will not win tomorrow's customers. That's correct. And if you're incrementing on off of today's business model, customers are probably moving faster than your increments can hop you into keeping up with them. And you're not becoming a challenger. Some of our marketing folks here are talking about direct-to-consumer brands and how there's such competition to more traditional retailers who are tethered to their traditional operating model, business model, store functions, as opposed to these new direct-to-consumers that come with brand new models and subscription-based. And so it sounds like that's part of the tension you're identifying here, right? You can't just incrementally improve to compete Yes. With these entirely new set of innovative competitors. One of the reasons why companies do that is they also perceive finding and fixing problems as less risky to maybe their cash cow or their core mm-hmm. business model. Because so if you're if you're improving the retail experience of buying razors or shaving cream of your Gillette, yes, you know you're hoping to try and get the lock off the cabinet that the razors are kept in, not coming up with Dollar Shave Club where we're going to just ship them directly and cut out yeah. the retailer middleman. Right? We're finding and fixing the existing problem. The existing problem almost by definition, can't be something that doesn't exist, right? You're never going to innovate off that to something that doesn't exist. That's correct. 
certainly in people's day-to-day lives, just like any source of inspiration for a new product or new innovation or new company comes from, you see an opportunity in the market. So Northwestern Mutual, for example, identified an unserved market, which was really women in finance. And so they acquired LearnVest for $250 million in 2015. And really that's their attempt to capture this underserved market by creating a new value proposition to go after that segment. Um, There's a lot of other areas or ways that you can come up with new business model ideas. One might be pivoting towards a favorable market, technology trend or regulation, for example. Heineken, for example, in Europe was being disrupted by craft breweries. Instead of trying to somehow compete or refine their existing model, they actually expanded that. They created a new business model, which was really based off of beerwolf.com, which became essentially a direct-to-consumer venture that allowed them to embrace the craft beer breweries. Oh, interesting. So yeah. it's distribution for the craft breweries. Correct. I've heard in the States, you're talking about a European example, but in the States, that's a big problem for craft breweries is getting that distribution. But here is Heineken, you know, rather than just sort of competing head yeah. on, expanding the market for competitors by sidestepping that competition directly. That's correct. You might also come up with an idea by looking for what type of constraints that may spark creative workarounds, or you may develop a parallel value proposition for a new or evolved customer segment. I cite some examples in the report specifically, but really you're trying to generate a new source of value or renewed value for the client through a new model. And it's not just an enhancement or an augmentation to your existing value proposition. And so I'm curious as to how you get started to doing this. <laughs> you just mm-hmm. identified a few ways to think about it, right? Some of it looks like see what the larger market yes. trends are doing, see what different pockets of your customers that maybe you're not engaging fully with are doing or where they are spending their time now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to make sure you keep their loyalty or acquire them back. Um, are there other methods or sort of specific advice or steps that you recommend companies take? In the report, we talk about the use of the business model innovation canvas, something that was first created by Alex Oswalder in, in about 2010. And really that looks at how can you begin to visualize the components of a new value proposition of a new business model. On the left side of that model, it's a tool basically that people can use to visualize. The left side of it will be about who are we trying to create value for, for example. What do customers expect and desire from a given set of experiences? And what pain points do they have in their existing journey or their Mm -hmm. jobs to be done? That model then helps you visualize that and how those elements then work in connection with, on the right side of it will be cost structure of the organization, what are the resources you need to draw from to realize this vision. Basically, it's a simplified tool to put those thoughts just on one page and begin to use that then to validate that with actual customers. And I and I can't emphasize this enough, but one of the key recommendations of the report is that, and this was taken by Stephen Blank, who is really the godfather of business model innovation and a lot of the tech innovation that's happening in Silicon Valley, he says that no business model will ever survive first contact with the customer. So the meaning is you have an idea of a potential opportunity in the market. You need to then take that to the market, validate that with actual users or actual customers and refine it, iteratively develop that business model in conjunction with the customers to ensure that you square the product or service market fit. Okay, so think about the customer, the product fit, what's happening in the marketplace and some of the examples are directly responding to and reacting to things competitors are doing. 
right? So acquire a competitor who's onto something that you were too late to the game to do to build yourself, right? right? Or realize that this shopping model is different. So try to mimic this new shopping model instead to keep your customers. Um, I'm curious as to if there were any examples that you came across or sort of methods that really work to try to innovate a business model that will be a differentiator, right? So go a completely different direction and maybe jump ahead of some of those competitors. Right. So because of inherent risks in developing a completely new business model, very rarely will you see companies that come up with a completely new model that no one else has ever thought of. Right. It's always drawing from prior art, really. Mm-hmm. Uber for blah, right? Yeah. Netflix for yeah. this. I guess that's fair. Cause like I was out in San Francisco when Uber was launched and there were some other companies too. One was called Cab Halo or so. And so I'm sure to some degree they were all copying one another, but... Uber did it a little better. And so they're the one who captured the market because of some unique differentiator in the product or the service. So there's always that opportunity to look at competitors, try to be a fast follower, and then really home in on what's going to appeal to that customer base and make them want to stay with you and be loyal. Sure. And so, I mean, part of that is doing it better. Part of it has to deal with who are the resources that are driving this vision? How are they acquiring funding to support this venture? How are they scaling the business? I mean, there's just so many other tangential factors that go into this that it's hard to say that you know, maybe Uber did it better or, or worse than any of its competitors, but ultimately they survived and, and came out on top. But I think if you think about what are some commonalities with some existing business models, there are buckets or, or categories of, of things that you can look at. And I lay out some of these in the report. Say, for example, there is the land and expand model. And this is common in the online space. They will provide free services that you then get hooked on and then to buy additional functionality or additional resources, then you have to buy a subscription or you have to pay for that. Example of that is Adobe Spark. Adobe uses that as an entry point for non-designers or creatives to actually start to use their Adobe design tools to introduce them to the world of design using Adobe products. And so that is using a land and expand model. And another category might be no frills. So really simplifying the proposition in a way that actually distills down just whatever value that the customer customer wants and provide that at a lower price point. So there are definitely some ideas that you have on ways to move past this incremental innovation into this broader business innovation. You've provided some frameworks. I like that Canvas idea. Is there someone in the organization that should head this up? Are there sort of examples to put in front of people? Mm -hmm. What do you suggest is the next step? Oftentimes, customer experience professionals themselves are not responsible for coming up with a new business model or, and or even proposing it. So really, the genesis of this report is how can we empower customer experience professionals to bring this idea or the opportunities to their senior leadership in a way that can begin the conversation about how can we drive a customer experience advantage through not incremental innovation, but actually innovating on our core business model. And so by articulating that value, that unmet need or that latent desire that's not being met by an existing competitor on the market, then these customer experience professionals reading or consuming this research then can propose these ideas to leaders in their organization really to drive a wedge in their competitors and really capture that differentiated opportunity in the market. Yeah, and I really like the idea of, especially if you're a laggard in CX in your industry, the incremental approach is unlikely to get you to a point where CX can be a positive differentiator for you. Now, maybe you you can take it off the table as something that lets your competitors compete against you. But this is a way of saying, we're not only going to try and leapfrog our competitors, we're going to do it in a way where we put the pressure back on them, right? We're turning this from a shoot, we have to catch up, you know, for a legacy carrier competing against Southwest or JetBlue to we're going to change the game so that suddenly what you had over us is irrelevant because, you know, you can now 
order this ride on your app. You can now, you know, stream the movies in your home. And suddenly the competitors, you know, sort of built in advantage that would be very hard for you to incrementally overcome is made irrelevant. And I, and I think it's a really good em- point of emphasis to think about that kind of disruption through the lens of the inherent customer problem you're trying to solve, the inherent customer value that you would create through it, because that's when the CX pros can come in and offer their unique perspective, their unique set of skills to add as an element to that kind of innovation, that kind of thinking. Right. So if you're always trying to focus on how can we innovate to keep up with or differentiate ourselves from our competitors, then you're never going to be able to make that jump. Whereas if you are focused on where the customers are taking you or where they are going, then you won't end up like a lot of the companies in Japan, for example, Toshiba, Panasonic, Sony, that are basically led with technology or their functionality of electronics products, but actually where are customers going, which ultimately led to Apple creating some innovative products that met needs and expectations that customers couldn't express in words. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point that it's not, you know, it feels like a contradiction, but you have to do the customer research and yet you cannot rely on the verbatim literal quotes the customers give you in that research to guide you, mm-hmm. right? I, you know, I always think of the Henry Ford thing. Or, <laughs> I was just thinking you know, of that too. <laughs> but ask them what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And I always right. think, you know, if, if we're taking that statement literally as dismissive of customer research, which I don't think it was intended that way, he's an idiot because <laughs> yeah. ha- faster horse is a car. So <laughs> you can use faster horse to get you to car. You have to have an open mind about right. what the way to deliver value and the way to interpret their meaning. In that right, sense. that's like the need state and the value that they want from yes. whatever product you then create. Right, yeah. right. Without it literally having to be, give me a car, this motorized thing that right. moves in this way. It's like they shouldn't have to tell you that. You should be able to translate right. faster horse into that. All right, uh, thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Listeners, we have posted a link to this piece of research, which is called Innovate Your Business Model to Drive a CX Advantage. Uh, And listeners, we'll talk to you all on next week's CX Cast. Goodbye for now. Thanks to our colleagues, Amanda Chen, for recording and mixing the episode, and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at forrester.com. And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.